Live. Live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Um, I'm excited about today. I feel like it's a radio holiday. I get to hang out with my guys, Duck Riley and Tim Moore. Gentlemen, how are you all doing? Doing well, Princess. Awesome. Well, awesome. Princess, I don't know about Tim, but today <laughs> my physical therapist people, Tim, to try to get your homeboy walking again. The lady said, "Hey, <laughs> I know you want to. I know you want Laura and Stephanie. They said, hey, I know you want to be out there. I know you want to be out there walking, but." You got to remember, you're not 20 years old anymore. You you got a little more wisdom. So Duck, you, you ain't 30. To call me. Oh, you ain't 30 years Princess. old. You ain't 40. Oh, I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. Oh, Princess, you don't think they were trying to call me old, do you? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone, bro. <laughs> I called you the other day, Duck, before therapy, and I said a million straight out or 10 million. For 10 carries, and all you got to get is five yards. Which one did you take, Duck? I took the million. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just need a half a yard, Duck a carry, and we got five yards. Francis, my body can't take it. I'm going to go with the million. I'm I'm, going to take it. Look, I hate the shortcut and cheap people, but I'm taking the easy way out. (laughs) Sure money, bro. Sure money. Yeah, yeah. And Tim Moore. And Tim, it'd be my luck. I get nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have nothing to show for it, as my mom would say. <laughs> so, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's get the guys in here. I see Jason Collins. Jason Collins tonight? I think oh, that's right. Jason on, Collins. We, we, look, we need an expert opinion and bring him on. Jason Collins, do I have the right number? Yeah, that that's me. Um, I, I just was, you know, kind of listening in the background, but I'll be happy to chime in if y'all need me. Good deal. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. always we always need you, Jason. We always need you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what, Jason? If you stay on, maybe I won't hear the kitty cat. So stay on, Jason. You yeah, know. yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I'm really, that's what I was really here listening for, to see what Coach was yeah. going to say about uh-huh. my squad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, after, hey, look, after that beat down by Oklahoma, I ain't saying that by nobody's squad. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, Florida gave up 780 yards on um, to, to a, a LSU offense. I got to beat up. Yeah. My, my team was worse than yours. Hush, Tim. I didn't ask you to chime in. <laughs> what do you hear? What do you hear? My top five this week. You gonna love that. Hey, okay. hey, Princess. Hey, Princess. Mm-hmm. If the lights didn't go, if the lights didn't go off every time Oklahoma scored, look, the scoreboard would have blew up. <laughs> it was a tough weekend. Tough weekend. Well, Lewis, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good to be with you all after that tough weekend, just like you said. 
And, and yeah. Doug, oh, yeah. take the million. That's just a good business decision. You're a good businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Ten carries, and all you need is five yards, Will Lewis, and you yeah, get $10 know. million. Dollars. Uh-huh. I, I, know, I saw him do it in the 80s. I have my doubts about him doing it in the 2020s. Kelvin <laughs> <laughs> Bryant might be able to pull it off. Hey, Will, don't worry about it. You know what I do? I sub myself out and put Jason in there, and I get the 10 million. <laughs> then you go tap out, man. Just tap the top of your head. I'm out. <laughs> that wasn't a part of the deal, Duck. You couldn't tap out. For sure. All right. All right. <laughs> you got it, Doug. Okay, this is two million straight out. Uh, speaking of ten million, Ricky Porter, how are you? Oh my goodness. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, Princess, how are you? What's up, fellas? I'm good, sir. I'm good, sir. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just enjoying y'all today. Between Ricky and I said, between Ricky and Larry, that ten million is good. They, one of them could take it. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Pretty, pretty Ricky might be able to get those ten yards. <laughs> hey, hey, Will, if, if I get it, Will, you know I'm gonna share it with you a duck. You know that. I know you right. did it. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry Tisdale, I come in peace. The Lord ceased it for the radio not to work last week. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather be off goodness. air than to face you after Dallas and, and Philly. So um, that that week is gone, Larry Tisdale, so we're going to go forward, okay? I come in. Oh, well, we will, we will touch base with that. How you got me behind, behind Ricky? Behind Ricky. The game's over if you got a bat behind Pretty Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. He's a $10 million man. He's a $10 million I got got South Jersey in the house and sentimental with me. I'm okay today. (laughs) Good stuff. Come on, Penn All right, Duck. All right, Duck, with your $1 million stuff. Come on, let's do it. Hold on, hold on. We don't have Carlos? No Carlos yet. No, Carlos. Okay. Shoshana Cook listening. And we was just all right. tonight. It's amazing when Coach, radio is, look, is live. Look, Coach, look, Coach Harvey, Coach Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to I want to start off with uh, Will. I want to talk about uh, Michigan, Sharon Moore. With mm-hmm. with him crying and telling everybody how much he loves the uh, Harbaugh and and the AD. Will I get him a job, a head coaching job? Oh. <laughs> well, that mm-hmm. might that might be the way to interview, showing his undying loyalty to uh, oh. to his his boss. You know, the the, the only problem I kind of had with that that episode was he started out the interview with, um, you know, first I'd like to thank the Lord, uh, and then after that he dropped a, a four letter word. And then he dropped the f bomb. So those things don't help you. You know, what I mean that don't that doesn't help you. you know what I mean, I thought he's on the right trip. You know, being on the right track, and then he kind of got sideways a little bit. So yeah, you can't be cursing and then saying thank the Lord. Yeah, I know. Prayer meeting. <laughs> well, he, 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 he it. Uh, he thanked the Lord first, Francis. So uh-huh. that should have made that forward. Okay, yeah, it didn't last was, for two minutes for, though. Yeah, but he went from prayer exactly. meeting to the club, you know? 
<laughs> oh, as most athletes do. <laughs> All right, we're we're, we're going to bring Jason in. Jason, what, what did you think of my man Moore? I mean, that was, those were real things. Yeah, man. It, in my opinion, it wasn't a great look, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I get it. You, you win an emotional game. There's a lot of emotion around the whole Michigan thing, but I, I didn't love it, Coach. I didn't love it, man. I, I just would have liked to see him, you know, maybe deliver that message a little bit differently, but I get it, man. A lot of emotion, um, a lot going on around that program, but I, I didn't. I didn't love the crying interview, man. I, I it didn't look very head coach to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna come come to Ricky because I'm I'm sure after it was over, he sent that tape out to all the uh, presidents of the colleges. <laughs> so, hey, so what you well, think, Ricky? Hey, hey, Doug. Maybe he was he was taking the law for what he was about to say. Maybe that was it. <laughs> <laughs> He messed up it, in. Yeah, it didn't go the over Lord too well with me. With <laughs> I I didn't I didn't think it went over too well. Um, maybe the emotions and and all that. Maybe it might be an AD somebody out there that falls for that. But and I'm not I'm not questioning whether he should be or not. But it just didn't it didn't fly with me too well. So hey, to each his own. Okay, uh, Larry, Joey Galloway said. Brother, why are you crying? <laughs> you, I don't know who started this. Sure I don't know who started this off. But somebody mentioned something. This might be the new way to interview. And as sad <laughs> as that is, maybe getting down on your knees and, and, and playing that role might be the way. I hope it is not. He looks like Steven, you know, from Django, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, oh, that's I don't like think Django that's in our thread. I was wondering why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he, he, he was saying, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, we sick. We sick. That's exactly it. He said we were sick. <laughs> that was so unfortunate. Yeah, I think people of color looked at that and were like, I'll be damned. We are stupid. This oh, is man. the way we go do an interview. If this is our interview. We got problems. Hey, Tim. Did he? All he needed was some sand to slide across the floor. What's your thought? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. 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 A little soft shoe, you know. <laughs> but uh, no. But the brother, you know, he. I think what he's doing is is he's preparing himself for Harbaugh to, to take him to the NFL with him with whatever job he gets next year. Okay. All right. Uh, Princess, from a from a woman's viewpoint, what? What what was your thoughts when you saw uh-uh, this? Duck, I didn't see it, so I, oh. I, I can't. I have nothing to say. I just read the fact that he was overwhelmed at his coaching position, head coaching. Sometimes he took off his headset when talked to the offensive lineman. But no, Duck, I, I didn't see it. I will watch it now. I'm going to turn it over to you and Carlos Bradley. Carlos Bradley, welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> thank Carlos. you. Thank you very much. Carlos, Carlos, I know you saw it, Carlos. I know you saw it. <laughs> yes, I did see it. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, this man has really drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> that is what I was thinking. I mean, we've all spent time in the Midwest, and I've spent time at Michigan, and I'm telling you, 
I've never been around something that is more cult-like and the way they think is what is right and what you think ain't right. And so it seems like whatever they, what Kool-Aid they gave this gentleman, he's all in, he's all for it. And look, I mean, I get it on one hand that he's that invested in it, but me sitting back here looking at the entire situation, I'm not a Michigan fan. I never will be. Um, I'm really not a Harbaugh fan for personal reasons, but you know, it, I, it was just—I was just amazed when he was overwhelmed. It just came out of nowhere, and then he just seemed like, "Look, I'm—I'm I'm just all vested in." So whatever they gave him to drink, he's drinking it, and he's a full believer. Hey, I want—I <laughs> want to just ask it. I want to ask the group: Was it true at the end of his his comment? He said that Mel Tucker was guilty. Oh, oh. Man. <laughs> just sad. Just sad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is not for me. I'm asking for somebody else. They gonna get you for that, Riley. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Man. All right. Uh, I want to. I want to come back to. Uh, I want to stay with you, Carlo, because uh, Jimbo Fisher was crying on his way to the bank. He only getting seventy six million. You know what? Like I, once again, this might be the my second least liked like coach in the country. But <laughs> with what he yeah, was given to do with at least once if not twice having the top class coming in mm-hmm. to him maybe twice he had in the top three and not being able to produce, I always thought Jimbo Fisher was a fraud. You know, he talked a good game, but he never got the kids to produce. And I think that's just because of lack of coaching. He just, you know, he talked a good game, but he didn't put together a staff or himself able to do the job. But in the end, Walking away, still being owed $76 million. Does he lose? No, I think the joke's on Texas A&M, really. Okay. Uh, hey, Jason, uh, you think this is all built off the winning the national championship from Florida State? Yeah, man, I do. I, I think yeah. sometimes, man, these these ADs get get fooled. You know, he's at Florida State, probably on most Saturdays had more talent than his opponent. And sometimes people mistake more talent for good coaching. And then he comes yeah. to the SEC where the, the playing field is now more level every Saturday. And now we got to see what kind of coaching chops you really have. And obviously he came up pretty short. But like Carlos said, I mean, the joke really is on A and M because he's walking away with seventy six million. I'm sure he feels like he won. Okay, uh, Larry. You know, I'm so sick to my stomach after watching this. You know, they wanted him out, and they they released him. He gets seventy six million, and I want to tie in Mel Tucker, who they wanted out, and they found ways to disgrace this man on the way out and not pay him his money. Fair enough. Uh, to see what he did, I think Jason just mentioned, he hasn't done anything with the talent since he's been there, and he has had the top talent in America. 
But maybe four out of five years, he's probably been in the top five or six for talent and put nothing together. So his time was limited there. He still gets $76 million. He wins. Mel Tucker loses. Uh, the advantages of not being us. Yeah, it, uh, yeah and uh, we'll speak on that because Larry brought up an interesting point. You know, what Mel Tucker did, we, we understand, but they gonna give him. I know they have the money. They just gonna buy him out. They giving him seventy six million to go away. Yeah, yeah. He was he wasn't crying on on his way to the bank because he was upset. He, he was crying because he couldn't stop laughing. I mean, just about uh, you know his whole time down there, uh, and and he was he was the ultimate underachiever with uh, mm-hmm. exceptional talent for you know before a number of recruiting classes. Um, I think two years ago when they beat um, Alabama, it was kind of at the uh, at the at the pinnacle, and 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 that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? But as far as him out coaching people, um, and uh, you know they did out recruit people, they just didn't do anything with the talent that that they had. Um, you know, what I mean the, the 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 comparison with him and in Mel is is Mel made a poor decision and, and put himself over the fire, uh, and this guy, for the most part, has been relatively squeaky clean off the field um, and, and has underachieved on the field. So, it, yeah, it's a shame that they're getting him all that money, but that falls on Texas A&M uh, more than it falls on this guy. Yeah, Ricky, it, it, and I know you're not far from, you know, uh, Texas and stuff like that, Kind of, what were you hearing about uh, Jimbo as far as, uh, you know, having the number one class, all this kind of stuff? I mean, he did a great job recruiting. I thought, I know he lost one of his best recruiters to to uh, Dion, uh, that, the guy Nick Williams. Your thoughts on it? Well, you know, Doug, I could go a lot of ways with this. You know, this is something that's been going on for a long time, and I'm not going to call any names, but I've, I've – worked for some guys who I thought were just outstanding coaches. And, you know, when they, sometimes they put the title of genius and, and X and O's guys and like that. And some of these guys that I've had the pleasure of working with were just that good. I mean, they made you better. They made the team better. They made the staff better. But I'm going to tell you something. I've been around some coaches, and like I said, I won't call any names, that, that really weren't. They just, they got these jobs. They have this persona about them. They go out there, and like he says, because it's a big institution like that, a lot of kids from Texas, believe it or not, want to stay at home. So mm-hmm. you get a lot of recruits. Now, when you can go into Texas and steal a recruit, you've done something because they all those kids, for some reason, want to stay home. That's why when they went over to the SEC and all that, that's where the kids were kind of up and down. Do I want to play in the SEC or do I want to, you know, stay in Texas? Or whatever, and I think a lot of these kids um, they get this great talent, and I'm not questioning his coach, but I don't know how he is X and O's. But a lot of these coaches aren't just good. they they aren't good coaches. And I'm gonna tell you something: if you gave me seventy six million dollars to go away, I'm going away, and you you don't have to tell me twice. Um, seventy six million to walk away. I mean, who who really wins in this situation? 
you know, Jimbo wins. He never has to coach another day in his life. And guess what? He probably will get another coaching job if he wants one. But we don't want to get into this. It doesn't go this way all the time for everybody, but some people it does. And it kind of bothers me a little bit. But um, I guarantee you his name is going to come up somewhere. And uh, like I said, that's a lot of money to give somebody to leave. Well, Rick, I can tell you now, because he's from West Virginia, his name has right. already come up. So right. you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about his name coming up. It's up. So <laughs> that's that's exact that's what I'm talking about. So the rich just gets richer. Wow. And that's how it happens. And uh, but does this happen all the time? And I don't I don't want to take this to the race thing, but it doesn't happen for us like that. I'm just saying. And um, this is not the first case of this. You know, coaches okay. going in there, and I know a lot of coaches have faked it till they make it, and and get these buyouts like this, and they never coach again. Or if they want to coach, they coach again. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is touchy with me. So I'm I'm gonna let it go right there. I'm gonna leave it alone. Yeah, I think I think the race thing is unavoidable. Though I mean, I think we can't avoid that because we talk about Mel Tucker, and we know he made a mistake. And then you got you're gonna figure out a way to not pay him. Now we, my I'll, I'll speak for myself. I can get upset with him because I'm I'm saying Mel, you messing it up for the next guy, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Like the next guy won't get that because and they'll just say, well look what he we tried with him, oh it didn't work. But with with the others with the Europeans, they just say. Well, you know, we're going to make this deal with you. And that's how that whole generational wealth thing continues. I mean, Jimbo yep. Fisher's great-grandkids will have money now. Yep. You know, so that's the thing that's a little upsetting even about the Mel Tucker thing. But, you know, it's it's to do right or to do wrong, right? You know, a wrong was done, we can't. And if, if they were able to wiggle out of it, that's what the university is going to do. It doesn't even seem like when dealing European to European, they even think about any wiggling out. It's just like, okay, we're going to give you this, and we're going to move on. But yep. it stays on that side of the fence. Hey, Carlos, well, you know what? I, I, real quick, I'm sorry, Doug. You know, the, the, what they have is they have the, great, the greatest card in their hand is they have the ability to have privilege. And so that's the privilege to make mistakes. Yes. Um, yes, we could go through the list of all the coaches had somebody dancing on their lap, had somebody in there. Like it goes on, and these European coaches, these white coaches, and they come back and coach. We sat and said, "Will he coach again after calling so and so these words?" Well, obviously he is. We don't say that about us. We don't have that ability. Uh, you know, Carlos said, "You know, Tucker, you jacked it up for a lot of us who were trying to to get into the game because they look at it and said we did give you a shot." But they have the privilege to make these mistakes over and over. And, yes, yep. race is a part of this. We cannot yep. say it's not. That would be stupid. Race is probably the central part of why they get an opportunity and we do not. So, and I, by the way, and I think most Americans, even most white Americans, understand that right now. Well, I, w- I want to repeat what a great philosopher said uh, who worked for Ali Boudini. He said he'd give up. He'd give up pork, but he wouldn't give up the white woman. 
Oh, you've run out. You've run out. Oh, I think that was per, I think that was page one twenty two of uh, uh, Malcolm X. <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about Mel Tucker, and we always kind of come back to him. Jason, we're hitting them, we haven't heard you on. So, your feelings about that Mel Tucker? You know, my, my feeling on it was this, Coach. I, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, Mel Tucker probably crossed the line in, in, in some of his actions. But. I really believe that the larger issue was that Michigan State took a look at that contract and they said, we don't want to give this man $90 million. We need to figure out a way to get him out of here. Because I think, Coach, if they were truly happy with Mel Tucker or really thought he was the guy to lead that program, they would have been willing to overlook this situation. But for me, I think it was a vehicle to get him out of there because they just didn't want to pay him $90 million. Okay, and uh, back to uh, back to Tim. Tim, you know, you kind of hear a lot of the things that's going on with the, the Jimbo Fisher and stuff. But what, what was your thoughts on this today? I'm just loving this. The, the, the see what the bye week gets us, man. On, on never had it so good radio. I mean, it's just <laughs> the, y- y'all brothers in rare form tonight, man. I'm telling you, bye <laughs> uh, week. I like that one. <laughs> This was, uh, you know, um, well, you know the Mel Tucker thing. I, I agree with Jason on that. I think they they wanted the brother out of there, and and he was susceptible to making a bad decision. Uh, with Jimbo, you think? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, but I'm he was sorry. frozen, but you know all of that. But anyway, uh, but um, but Jimbo, um, Jimbo, I think they put. I, I think several of you all have put your put your finger right on the right on the uh, pulse of what what's going on. Because I mean, who's talking about uh, Marvin Lewis? Uh, who's talking about Shaw from from uh, from Stanford? Both of whom who had no scandals involved in their background uh, left. Uh, you know, left uh, very successful uh, coaching situations, and nobody's talking about them. And these guys, uh, what's it, Petrino down in Louisville, who's on the on the back go. of a motorcycle with a co-ed, and you know, just all yeah. kinds of stuff. And these guys get other jobs, you know, just like boom, uh, you know, we'll hire you. So Jimbo's going to get a job. You you mentioned the West Virginia job is possibly possibly going to be uh, available to him, um, and they're already talking about it. But you have to remember, uh, Jimbo was like one step ahead of the posse when he left Tallahassee. Uh, he was he had lost that ball club. Um, they were they were terrible his last year there, and uh, the year that they went to the uh, to the to the final uh, final four uh, game against uh, Oregon, they got boat raced in the in the semifinals against Oregon. Uh, so he sort of showed um, that maybe it was just the talent that he was able to recruit at Florida State, and. Uh, that you know he wasn't able to coach him, wasn't able to deal with success, and then when he got to Texas A&M, with all the resources in the world, all that oil money down there that they uh, that they uh, had right. at, at Texas A&M, tremendous tremendous uh, facilities, uh, two straight top recruiting classes in the country, he couldn't coach them. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what that says for him, but he'll get another job. And Shaw will still be not talked about, 
and Marvin Lewis mm-hmm. will still not be talked about. Yeah. Uh, and Mel Tucker will probably never get another opportunity at a major college. You're right. Wow. Princess, I apologize for interrupting. I have a question for you because I know we, we, we like to see this Mel Tucker incident or entanglement, whatever we want to call this, and, and we have our, our point of view. If, if evidence came out down the line that this was a setup and an entrapment, would it change our minds? And by the way, I'm not absolving him of what he did, but would it kind of change our minds of, of how we're viewing uh, Mel in this situation compared to some other countries that we just mentioned? Listen, I, I think we can kind of say now that it looks like entrapment, um, Larry Tisdale. The fact still remains. Um, Tim oh. put it really nice. He was susceptible. But you have to really be comfortable to do that at work. And I, I don't I don't understand how we, we get past that. I'm you know, and I hadn't even talked about the fact that he has a wife and children at home, you know, so this entanglement led to this. Mm-hmm. And if he had done that thirty six minutes anywhere except for in his office on government property, we wouldn't be having that conversation either. But okay. it looks like Mel Tucker um became a liability. He went eleven and two. Then he came back the next year and had a pedestrian year. And then, right. you know, leading into this, he didn't look good. So that 90, that well-spent $100 million or whatever, $98 million, didn't look so good. And they still owed him almost $80 million. It was a no-brainer. I don't know if they used Brenda Tracy. I don't know if she became mm-hmm. something that, you know, is that developed. But I just can't just sit here and say, okay, well, poor thing. He had a part no. in this. He had a part in this. He, he I, did, I, I agree. But, he did I agree. Part, you but, can't. but you know, Bobby Bobby Petrino had a wife and kids too, and 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 Urban Meyer, who had a had the woman in the in the club uh, sitting on his lap, has a wife and kids. So, and they're, and they're already <laughs> talking about Urban Meyer at Texas A&M. And if you go back and check the tape, I was just as critical of them too. But um, neither one of those were brothers. Tim, problem right. with Urban, problem with Urban situation, the lady couldn't find a seat. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> that, you know what? That's I'm going to turn your mic off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Princess. <laughs> I'm going to turn your mic off. Chuck, if yeah. I could just say this. Go ahead. I mentioned, I, mentioned, I mentioned that because I heard Urban's name mentioned with relationship to Texas A&M today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It seems oh, yeah. to turn down, you know. Again, but I, I do want to say is... that through sixty-seven games, you know, Kevin Sumlin was forty-six and twenty-something, and through the same sixty-seven games, which was about two weeks ago, you know, um, Jimbo was not there. He only had forty-four, forty-five wins. So, yeah. you know, we can just compare that. But Jimbo got to Texas A&M because his friend was now AD there. He was at Florida State and came there and said, hey, Jimbo, I got $100 million on the table for you. Come on. And Jimbo had the highest-ranking recru- recruiting class ever since 24-7, and all of those have been keeping this. Um, he had the highest recruiting class ever, number one, with five or six five-stars. And this is what you got. He's been five and seven since that last recruiting class like that, five and seven. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised well, I didn't do it before now. Well, just to get back to what Larry asked us, would, would your mind change about 
the situation. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay with uh, Boudini. <laughs> so you give up bacon. I give up pork, Francis. I can't give up the white woman. Well, the thing is that Mel Tucker, I agree, played a part in this, and yeah. he still he still took the bait. That's where That's this it. still falls. He still took That's the bait. It. Don't don't do the okie doke. Don't take the bait, okay? Because you got to think of the generations after you. That's the way I look at him. Would our would my mind change on he made a mistake? No, he still made a mistake, caught or not caught. But the difference is he doesn't get like the Europeans get. He doesn't get the chance to redo. He doesn't get a re a redo. We don't get that. They get a, get a redo and a redo. Um, I mean, I want to apologize for coming in late, but um, at the beginning and talking about Harbaugh, if I could just ask the question, at the beginning of the year, he got suspended for or self-imposed suspension, however it went, for four games. What was that for? I don't remember what that was for. Minor violations. Um NCAA violations, you know, call and texting or something like that. Um, that that was right, so, so he had violations. Yeah. He had violations at the beginning of the season, and then then we find out that for three years somebody has been gathering signs <laughs> off a sideline for three years. It it sounds like loss of like just institutional control completely, and I think it starts at Michigan but it carries on into what's allowed by the NCAA. I mean, even when this all started, they were like, whoa, how are we going to handle Michigan? I mean, that's why when I say we've all spent time in the, in the Midwest, but Michigan is like the God out there. We run this show. So we're going to look, don't jump to conclusions about what happened. And then he had to wait. Then they were supposed to announce on Tuesday what the, uh, penalty was going to be, and that didn't happen till Saturday. So I mean, there were allowances over and over for Michigan and Harbaugh himself. I think the NCAA, who no, who's going to look at them? Nobody. They can't. They can't police Nobody. themselves. Okay. So then, if the university usually gives the penalty, so then they said, okay, well, wait a minute. Let us take a look at what we want to do. And then they weren't going to do anything. But then the NCAA said, okay, well, then we need to make this move. It was anybody else, and definitely if it was somebody of color, as we've already stated, they would never coach again. But here he is, just three games, suspension, after they played nobody all year, then you play Penn State you know, which I was really upset that they lost and looked horrible in the game, which was annoying, but they did win. So, I mean, it seems like there's just a whole different treatment for Michigan and Harbaugh and that whole cult or culture out there. Okay. Special treatment. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with Carlos because I, I worked in Detroit on, on a bowl game for 16 years, and, and um, the whole Brady Hoke thing, um, you know, when they were really down, they had some really bad years, and they brought Rich Rod in, and they didn't do much better, but a little bit better. Um, I was talking to a reporter out there, and he told me one time, he said Michigan fans are the most delusional fans. He was a Michigan State guy. He said Michigan fans are the most delusional people you've ever met. He said they, they, they act as though those years never even happened. That, you know, they never even happened in their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now the the whole thing. I guess I'm wondering, uh, is that an NCAA rule or a Big Ten rule that you can't you can't recruit on campus? Because I'm I I didn't even know the rule existed before. Because uh, I just assumed that they all did that. What do you mean you can't well, recruit no, on campus? All the scouts. What What are you talking about, Tim? I'm talking about the the rule that you can't recruit. You can't recruit in person. I mean, you can't uh, in in person uh, scout teams uh, in yeah. advance of the game. It's okay to steal signs, but it's not okay to go, go to games. You know, it's not okay to go to games um, and scout. Well, I don't know. Rule. I know. I know Rick. I know Rick had coached in NCAA, and uh, and I know Will did too. But I okay. the problem that that we we're, we're, we're seeing too is. A lot of times, I don't know if it's so much of uh, them going to the game, but I never heard of somebody getting a ticket to every game and going under a different school. You know, it was yeah. much more. Over 30 much games. More to it. Yeah. He, the guy went to every game. And I ain't trying to be funny, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You mean to tell me this guy's on your staff and you don't know if, where he is on game day? Who paid yeah. for the ticket? Lost the yeah, you know. control then. There's no institutional control if, if that's the case. Yeah. Three years yeah, I mean, of you'd be hard when your staff members going to, to games? Yeah, you'd have to hard, be hard-pressed well. to believe that he didn't know. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's then really what it comes down to. Game, it is a lack of institutional control because yeah. he would – you will know. You will have to know because you're using the information. So even with that being said, what they were doing was a little bit more brazen than what most people do. Everybody okay. steals signals. <laughs> it's been going on for yeah. for years. You know what I mean? That's um, you know, as a as a pro scout, you know, and I would go scout games where you were allowed to go scout games. That was part of the information you were retrieving was signals by signals. the defensive uh, coordinator, whoever the signaler was on the uh, on the sideline. You know what I mean? You can yeah. read them and you can write them down and you can match them. So this is something that's always been going on. But what they did was so so brazen um, that they, they had to slap them on the wrist. Now, the information, again, I'm saying the information that was gathered is the same across the board. But the way okay. they went about gathering the information was, was, was just, you know, a slap in the face. And he was actually saying that he went – Gathered the information on his own volition, and and then was giving it to no one. So then, why are you going as a staff member, and why are you collecting information for a file in your living room? Like, what sense does any of that make? None. None. That's plausible deniability on on what's the fault, but that's not that's not at all how you know how it would go down. You know, I mean, I'm certainly sure they were aware of it, and they utilized the information um, to, to their advantage the best they could. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody was aware of the information. And Will, you brought up a great point, Will, because the thing is, uh, everybody, they've been doing it for a longer period of time. And that's why now when you watch people giving signals, you got five or six guys giving the signal. Absolutely. Exactly. So everybody knows it's been going on for years and years, decades and decades. You know what I mean? They try to find ways of, of hiding it. I mean, even the, the rule makers know that because that's why they've gone to the length they've gone to with the, uh, with the comm, with the communication, um, where you can actually you have the uh, OC talking to the quarterback and, or the defensive coordinator talking to the middle linebacker who's giving it. So they've, they've gone to the communication because they, wanted, they were trying to nix the ability for people to steal signals. So everybody's always known that stealing signals has, uh, has existed. But like I said, your guy up there uh, in Michigan just went to a, a whole new level of just, you know, being brazen about it. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to approach it. And then he always has plausible deniability. I didn't know they were doing it, you know, but everybody knows that's what they do. Hey, but they're they really punishing him for being a dumbass. And Larry, the craziest thing that I saw on, on TV was they had the guy on there. He had a Western Michigan uh, sweater on. Right. Yeah. That was just blatant. They, these yeah, guys so, got in trouble for being, they just got in trouble for being dumbasses. They were yeah. just so being stupid bold. that they had bold. to be like, come on now. Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's what they got. In That's what they for. should be penalized for for just being, you know, what I mean, arrogant yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Jason, since they played Penn State, do you think the, uh, they stole some of Penn State signals? I guarantee you, this was the, not the first time that they saw Penn State. You know what I mean? I'm gonna guarantee that the, they've been doing, they've been at Penn State games for. You know what I mean? Pretty much uh, most of the season. So, and Ohio yeah, State and as well. To me, though, I think the thing that I think a lot of people in the national media, because I saw a lot of people saying, oh, it's not a big deal, everybody does it. But I don't think everybody does do it the way they did it. And on top of that, the alleged videotaping of signals. To me, that's what puts it over the top. Okay. Like if you can okay. see my signals with your eyes and write it down and, and figure out what you can figure out, fine. But if you're videotaping, then going back and matching up the call to the formation or the call to the defense or a call to a blitz, to me that gives you a decided advantage. And I think those allegations against Michigan, for me, is what really puts it over the top. Agreed. The, the matching up, the three years of doing it, and even when you watch the game, or at least when I watch the game, Michigan was just so aggressive at everything they did. And it just almost seemed like they had an inkling or a knowledge of the next move based on formation, sets, movement. I mean, they were just that much more aggressive than Penn State. So, you know, does who it, knows why that was. Unless, Carlos, so with all this knowledge that we have and we know how important that was, does this change their rankings coming up for the postseason, for the football playoffs? No. Knowing that they no. may have had a decided advantage? No. That's the whole okay, thing. So it's not going yep. to. They're going to be so, so they number three. They didn't punish the institution. 
No. And see, that's, yeah. that's what the whole issue is. It, it comes back down to Michigan power, Midwest power, Midwest money, Midwest authority, Mid, Mid, Midwest look and position in this whole game, and, they, and it does not move. They don't change. You know, and it actually looks like they're, they're trying to position themselves to end, end up suing the NCAA for yeah. something they did against them. Because at the end, if you know, they were saying, give us time. Let's, let, let due process take its course. Don't push us. That was mm-hmm. Michigan saying that. Don't push us. NCAA was like, oh, oh excuse me. Excuse me. You know, it's the same now, mentality. It's just like, I don't mean to get too political, but it's the same mentality as like when Trump goes to court and he starts yelling at the judge. Why does he get away from, with that? Why is that not a, a you know, uh, yeah. a violation? Why isn't he thrown out mm-hmm. the courtroom? It's the same thing with Michigan. They let them do that because of the arrogance and who they are. And it's yeah. people that look alike talking to each other. Now, like I want to bring Ricky. I want to bring Ricky in because I want Ricky. Why do you think the NCA is trying to pass this off, putting it more on the conference than trying to take some responsibility? Because they mm-hmm. they're supposed to have a so-called rule on this. They said they did. You know that that that's a difficult one. All I can see is you're passing the passing the buck on this. It's um, accountability, uh, and you see this in all even the smaller divisions and conferences do this. A lot of times they try to pass it, they pass it down to the individuals and try to get them to police themselves. And I think that's where the problem is. And, and like you said, you got the NCAA who really nobody polices them, I don't see them stepping up and, and just bringing a hammer down on anybody. Um, and they're going to, and I think they're just going to continue to pass the buck with this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they, nobody wants to take accountability. A lot of this has been going on. And like you said, if you can sit there and, you know, you're not going to close your eyes during the game. If you can sit there and you can figure somebody's, you know, calls out or signals out in your head and do all that, that's fine. But videotaping and doing all that now, that, that's when you're taking it too far. The NCAA don't feel like they need to come up and, and, and have a across-the-board kind of ruling. Um, it's going to continue to happen. And the leagues, and like you said, when you got a powerhouse like Michigan who, like you said, you equate, equated him to Trump, when he feels he can argue, yell back, and, and, and speak his mind, they're going to do what they they want to do. And the only thing can do is the governing body that's over all of them, the NCAA, is the one that has to come down and bring the hammer down. But will they do it? I think that's the problem we run into. And obviously they didn't. And there's reasons. These are intentional reasons that they're handed down to the lower court or to, or to your conference. Because the conference is not going to punish you the same as the NCAA. So privilege, again, handed down. It will be swept under the table. Like it didn't even exist. Um, there are different set of rules for different conferences, different people, different coaches. Okay. I want to bring Princess back in. Princess, I want to change this up a little bit. Is Sean Payton the right person for the Denver Broncos? 
Oh, wow. Um, I think so. I just think he has um, all of Nathaniel Hackett's players or those that were, you know, um, <laughs> there. Um, Tim's favorite guy. But, you yeah. know, I think it's going to take him a, a couple years. I, I like Sean Payton at um, at New Orleans. and I, and I I But, you know, he had Drew Brees, and once Drew Brees left, he seemed to, to kind of fade out too. But, yeah, I think he's um, the right person. I, I think you just got to give him time. I don't think he's gotten old or, or been phased out of the game. Um, I don't think he likes Russell Wilson. He definitely didn't like his antics or – all of the goodwill that everybody bestowed upon him, giving him an office and all of that. And if your coach is telling you to quit shaking hands and kissing babies and headed out to practice, there's a problem with, you know, you and him already if if you're mm-hmm. getting that nitpicky. Give him a couple of years. He'll figure it out. All right. Well, Tim, uh, reading that Sean Payton fired two players for, standing, for not standing for the National Anthem, Oh boy, um, I think that's a little extreme. Um, you know, I, I I can't say it's his prerogative as a coach to do what he, he what he feels is necessary discipline in his players, but I think that's a little extreme. Um, there are guys around the league uh, who, ever since that thing um, opened up have not been either standing or been kneeling or uh, I know um, what's his name uh, Tomlin in, in Pittsburgh even kept the team in the, in the dressing room to avoid the situation. So I, I, I think he's, I think what he's really trying to do is to get control of that team. Uh, he, he, he last princess said he inherited Nathaniel Hackett's mess. Um and um, I think really what he's trying to do is just get some discipline and some, some cohesiveness with that team. Uh, but he's got a mess to clean up. He, I think he's a good coach, but I think he's got a real mess to clean up in Denver. Hey, Doug, I, uh, Rick, you know he was down in New Orleans. Your thoughts, and now he's in Denver. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be straight with you on this. And like I said earlier, um, I've went about some, some, some good coaches, some great coaches, and some not-so-good coaches. I have to agree with Tim on this. Sean Payton, I'm going to give him his just dues. He's a good coach. He's, he's, a, he's a good disciplinarian. He's, he's a good X and, excuse me, X and O's guy. <clears throat> he knows football, and I can't take that away from him. I don't think he has his trigger man. And now you're talking about, um, I mean, he and, and – and, um, Drew Brees, it was almost like a bromance there. They 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 were on the same page, uh, and I don't know Russell's work ethic. Drew had a work ethic that was unbelievable. I used to just watch him at the end of practice, the things he do, how early he came into practice. You know, the, the pl- closest person he reminded me of was was um, when I was in Denver with with Elway. You know, his work ethic is, is unbelievable. But I don't know what Russell's work ethic is. I don't know. His intelligence level, I think he's a pretty smart guy. Is he understanding the concept of his offense? Because his offense is good, uh, the things that they're trying to do. So right now I'm not ready to throw the, you know, throw the towel in on Sean Payton as a coach. I'm taking personal field. I'm taking everything out of it. The guy can coach. Now, is it just are they going to give him time? I think he has a good system. Does he have to get the, you know, the good players in there or better players? 
to implement this system. So that's that's going to be the biggest thing. Are they going to give him time or aren't they? Um, I think firing him or getting rid of him would be a mistake. I think if somebody were to pick him up, if they did that, I think they would be getting a good coach. So I'm just going to, you know, put it straight like that. I think he, you know, he's a good coach. It's just going to take him some time. Hey, Doug, okay. I want to, for this last question, I want to bring in uh, Will, Carlos, Larry, and Jason, because I just read what the media, a guy from the media said about uh, Ryan Poles, who's a New Jersey guy. He said, dumb people have to work somewhere. So, Will, as a general manager, <laughs> the media hey, man, said, who said this? Who was did this you say said this? What did you say, Doug? Dumb people? Yes. The, the guy from the media said, dumb people have to work oh, somewhere. Look. Talking about oh, Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears. Oh wow. my goodness! Wow. Yeah, okay. I, I think okay. in this day in, in this day and age, uh, everybody's trying to make a, a comment or a statement to to go viral and bring attention to themselves. That's the only thing I can think of on why uh, a, a sports journalist or media type guy would say something. You know, I mean, it's outrageously stupid. And number one, Poles is actually a, a pretty sharp dude. Dude, you know what I mean? He uh, um, is up on technology, he, he's computer you know, computer literate, so really a, a sharp guy, um, speaks well, um, understands the business, started out, uh, you know, on the low end and worked his way up to becoming a general manager. I mean, at one point was a college scouting administrator, so he's gone through all the phases to work his way up to being a, a general manager. I mean, and, and, and true, there's things that are going on in Chicago that have turned that thing into a dumpster fire, but most of it had to do with their coaches, not with their uh, not with their front office type people. Most of it had to do with you know the coaches that uh, were fired or left or resigned, which they seem to be having a, an epidemic with that. Uh, and I don't know that all those guys were necessarily polls hires, but I think that's more of the issue there than than, than polls and, and things that he's taking care of in the front uh, in the front office. But he's a, to me, bottom line is he's a pretty sharp dude. Is, is he a okay? Um, yes. Yeah, I want to bring Jason in. That's that's the, that's the point, Tim. Yeah, he's a brother from again from New Jersey. Jason, you know, not only did he say that, he the media, the guy that was speaking about this, even said that he was maybe one of the worst. He he is the problem of the virus. Yeah, man. I I find that that's. That, that's a crazy statement, man, because, number one, I, I think it's easy when you're sitting on the outside to look at somebody else's job and think you understand, like, what it takes to do it or you un, or how you would do it if you were in that position. But how does a media guy have any idea what it's like to be the general manager of a football team? He doesn't. So And, and then also, like, when you start throwing words around, like, stupid or dumb, it always gives you that feeling of, of, you know, that racial undertone underneath it all. Because, like, Woody had said the same thing about a white GM. Probably not. He would have chose different words. So, for me, that comment is crazy. But kind of like what Carlos alluded to, nowadays it's all about likes and clicks and views. So, I'm sure that had something to do with it as well. Okay, Carlos, your thoughts on it. 
How does I want to echo something? How does a media guy call a general manager dumb? Like, what knowledge do you have of him? He could call you dumb for being a media guy. What great intelligence does it take to do that? So I I don't get where he gets off calling him dumb. And I think this just just fans the flames again on racism. I think that's the bottom line. You know, you got a black man in a position, you're just going to call him dumb, and you get away with that? I think it goes no further than that. That's what it's about. Okay. And that's where he wants to point the finger. Larry, sum it up for us, Larry. Yeah, listen, it's the same thing. He's an idiot all liquored up talking, trying to make him a name for himself. I don't think he understands. I know he doesn't understand the inner workings of a football team and, and why a team might not be great today. In the next two, three weeks, they could be good. So I just think it's hyperbole. He's trying to make a name for himself, unfortunately. And unfortunately, it's a very easy target when you're a man of color. You know, there are not very many of you, so nobody's going to call him out for it. There's been nobody mm-hmm. called him out for his stupidity. So, again, we talk about race on here. We don't want to use race. America, we're not trying to use race as an excuse, but we need to show you when it's used against us all the time. So that's what we're pointing out. All right, Princess, take us out with the media. Your, your thoughts on it on the way out. <laughs> I, I I really can't speak for a media guy that that is his um, that that's his comment that that's his you know um, what what he sees that's crazy so I, I think he's dumb for even pointing out that somebody else is dumb I mean, I, I think that's really just white privilege right there um, you know and and again I like what Carlos said and everybody else has to say how do you know the inner out and workings of a, of, of a GM in the NFL um, you know. For sure. So, gentlemen, this has been really good. I appreciate the bye week after Eagles Cowboys. I love all of you all for that. Um, thank, you, thank you for the system. Hush, Larry Tisdale. <laughs> Tim Moore. Um, um, Larry Tisdale, Will Lewis, Ricky Porter, $10 million man. Jason Collins, thank you for stopping by. Um, I appreciate that. A shout-out to Shoshana for listening. Carlos Bradley, we appreciate you. Um, for sure, we got to get ready for the professional contributors. You guys have a great evening, and the rest of you, I guess I'll see you in about two minutes. Okay? <laughs> Never had it so good. Thank you, Francis. Francis.